This is the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelby, joined by the 50th Mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher. Always good to be with you, Graham. And the Chief Financial Officer of Louisville Metro Government, Daniel Frocht. Daniel. Thank you for having me. So, Mayor, on April 25th, you presented your proposed budget for the 2020 fiscal year. Uh, it's many weeks and months in the making. Talk a little bit about what led to uh, the budget gap that you had to address. In well, in many respects, this is the toughest budget that we've addressed of the nine budgets our team has put together. We had some difficult ones coming out of the Great Recession, and we were able to get our budget back in balance. But this one is addressing this pension problem that's been brought upon us by the Kentucky retirement system. So through no fault of our own or the Metro Council, we've been paying our pension bills every year. But now there's an estimated minimum $50 million more that needs to go into the pension system. And due to an announcement about 10 days ago, it looks like it's going to be even more than that. We don't know the exact amount yet. So we're having to readjust our whole budgeting process because the expenses from pensions have gone from 7% of the total budget to north of 20%. Some number 21, 25, might even be higher than that. So as a result, that's eating up all of our other government services because the revenue of the city, while it's growing, taxes are growing, they're not growing uh, fast enough. So you'll recall in March, we had a big community discussion on whether we would raise taxes or raise revenue. Uh, the Metro Council had an opportunity to do that by raising small tax increase on insurance premiums. They decided not to. So as a result, we have to uh, cut about $35 million out of this budget cycle. So it's getting us back to where the challenge was in March where people were saying, we don't want you to increase taxes, but you can't cut services either. It doesn't work that way. We have this $35 million problem, and basically we've got to cut services because uh, that's what government is. It's a service business, so we're now in kind of this painful situation where the proposed budget has gone to the council, cuts across all departments affecting all parts of the city, and now we'll see what how they adjust it. Processes I submit to them. They have two months then to finalize a budget and then I accept it or not, and then it goes into effect on July the 1st. So, Daniel, part of your job is to brief the council on the pension, the pension obligation and the budget implications of that. Talk a little bit about th those conversations. Well, each year we start the budget process off for, the, for this eight-week uh, cycle of hearings. There will be a budget overview, and uh, it's chaired this year by uh, uh, Bill Hollander, and vice chair is Kevin Kramer. Uh, I will present an overview of our revenues, our operating costs, our capital, and our, our debt structure. Uh, and it, within that, we'll be talking about operating in terms of uh, some of our larger line items, such as pension and health, and then some of the uh, changes that the, the mayor referenced in terms of his recommended budget. But we'll give an overview, and then they'll call individual departments to have hearings uh, over that eight-week period. Now, over the last few months, ever since the you know, sort of public discussion of what these cuts would mean began in the revenue proposal, there have been a series of public meetings. You've both attended some of those. Talk a little bit about that experience and what some of the feedback and questions were from the public. Well, people uh, appreciate the city services they get, and for some it could be a real intimate uh, delivery of service, let's say, like at a library or a public health clinic or something like that. And But then a lot of people say, I don't want my taxes increased. So it was this kind of back and forth with people over you have to have revenue taxes in order to provide services. And then people generally think that uh, government has waste in it. And so we can just eliminate waste and not cut services. Uh, some governments might. 
Uh, our metro government just uh, this past week, the week of April the 25th, was recognized amongst the four top operating city governments in the country. It was Louisville, Los Angeles, Kansas City, and Washington, D.C. And we're almost always in that ranking. We, of our 19 peer cities, we're the fourth lowest in terms of our employee ratio to population. So we're already lean, so there's not a lot to cut. Now, I will be the first to say we can always improve, so we're always doing that. And for these last eight years, we've adjusted our budget, we've moved resources, we've provided more services without having to ask for a, a tax increase. Interestingly, if you were a visit business and had the type of cost increase that we would have, what you would do is you get leaner, but then you have a price increase so that you can survive and stay business. And in the civic contest, uh, context, a price increase is a tax increase. The city hasn't had a tax increase since 1982, so 37 years ago. The county hasn't had a tax increase since 1990, so 29 years ago. And there's never been a tax increase in terms of merged metro government. So I hate it. I don't want to raise taxes, but I want to be able to provide a basic level of city services that people provide as well. So now we're in the next big debate in our community of how all that's going to work out as people are seeing the real consequences of not having revenue because of this increased pension obligation uh, due to Frankfurt. So how did you go about deciding how to make the cuts, how to spread that around the different agencies in the city? The first principle is we're a city of 800,000 people, almost 800,000 people. So we need to have the basic structure of any municipal government that size. In other words, we need to have a parks department, a public health department, a library, police, etc. The second was uh, public safety uh, priority. How can we do the best job to make sure that our people are safe? And public safety is a lot more than men and women in uniform, who we obviously appreciate, but our community centers, our libraries, uh, again, public health, homeless services, they're all part of public safety. The next was protecting our most vulnerable citizens. And then the third was just keep providing basic city services. And then as we look at that priority, we look at it through a data lens. What's the data tell us in terms of effective delivery of services? And then we also look at it through an equity lens. In other words, the data may, might not say keep this library open, but people in that community may not have access to the internet. So their kids don't have the internet to do their homework or uh, the adults to go for job applications. So that's an example of an equitable consideration we'd have to take into uh, consideration. Daniel, when the insurance premium tax didn't pass the council, you know, I heard a lot of people calling for other forms of raising revenue, legalizing this, a restaurant tax. There is a property tax proposal in the mayor's budget. Talk a little bit about the, the range of options the city has for raising revenue and what, what's on the table and what's not on the table. Well, one of the things from the public hearings, just going back a question or two, uh, that I noticed was people were surprised how little uh, in terms of self-destiny or, or the ability to raise revenue uh, that we have uh, as a local jurisdiction, they would say, well, why, why are you taxing insurance? Why not tax tobacco? Why not tax alcohol or gaming or something that is avoidable or that uh, we um, you know, would not mind if you taxed? So uh, many residents were interested to learn that we have limited options. So we did pursue the insurance premium tax uh, because it is something that was under our local control and that we had the ability to increase through the council and the mayor uh, directly without uh, being dependent on the General Assembly or, or any help from Frankfurt. The mayor's advocated for a uh, local option sales tax for really since he's been in office, uh, which is which 
38 other states grant that to their jurisdictions, their local jurisdictions. We don't have that. So the primary things that we have are insurance premium and our property tax. Property tax is capped at 4%. Uh, with, uh, if it goes above 4% for existing property, then it, it's subject to recall. So we are somewhat limited. Uh, we were hopeful that a restaurant tax might make its way through the General Assembly that would also be a, a local option tax that we could enact. And the restaurant tax is already available in what were called the former fourth mm -hmm. and fifth class cities in Kentucky. Restaurant tax, we estimate, could generate about $17 million for us. Probably a good third of that is exported. In other words, it's uh, generated from people that don't live in our community. And with the growing tourism that we have in our city, that's an obvious place to start. So kind of the, the quandary here is, is that Kentucky retirement system is dictating to us what we must pay but then we have very limited options from Frankfurt on the ability to generate local revenue. So, you know, we get hit coming and going on this. So we need to have more availability of options to raise revenue in our city. Some that would, could require a referendum, for instance, others that the council could pursue, like the cities that we can compete with. Uh, because one of the big picture issues here is, you know, what kind of city do we aspire to be? And I believe our city is positioned as a next breakout, medium-sized city in the country in terms of opportunity growth. We're going through an economic renaissance right now. We have a unique, authentic vibe to our city. People love it here, but we've got to invest to win. And when we look at the investments that are being made, let's say, in, uh, in uh, bike networks and transportation in Indianapolis or walkability in Nashville, uh, these cities are investing hundreds of millions of dollars more than we are in their built environment, quality of place. And quality of place, while we have a lot of assets, uh, we need to do more if we expect to keep up because talent and businesses, one of their considerations on where they locate is quality of place. So you don't uh, you know, win in the future by cutting yourself. You've got to invest to win just like businesses do and just like families do in themselves. And some of these cities are funding these investments through tax increases. Absolutely, and they have more flexibility to increase taxes. <laughs> it could be for a specific period of time. It could be for a specific reason. Uh, look, taxes are the price you pay for civiliz civilization or civil society. I think Oliver Wendell Holmes said that back in the day. It's right above the IRS <laughs> when you walk in there in Washington, D.C. And there's this notion in America that we can get everything but not pay for it anything is just flawed. And you see that, and we know <coughs> that deep down, uh, but we've got to have a real honest conversation after we get through this budget on what level of city services do people in Louisville want and deserve and are willing to pay for. Uh, because for us to move to another uh, level of city, we've got to be looking at our built environment. We've got to be looking at our deferred maintenance. We have $2 billion in deferred maintenance. So we've been define that for those deferred of maintenance means uh, let's say buildings that we own that need to be upgraded. We have sixty million dollars in needs to get all of our sidewalks um, where they should be. Uh, roads. We need a new jail. Uh, lots of paving. So that's what we mean. It's like, like if your leak, if your if your roof is leaking and it's not that bad in your house, you say you know someday we got to fix that. That's deferred maintenance. You know it's there and it's going to cost you. So we, you can't run a government constantly on the cheap. You've got to be lean, like we talked about before, third-party 
third parties validate that we are. Plus, we've been doing more with what we have. When you think about, let's say, the opioid epidemic that uh, took place in the country and it is still ravaging many communities, we approach that effectively without uh, raising our taxes. The hepatitis A outbreak, same thing. As a matter of fact, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, said we had a gold standard response. So we're doing all those things with the same resources that we have t today. Our overall headcount of the city is approximately equals to what it was eight years ago, and we've had an increase in police officers at that same period of time. So I'm not trying to make excuses. My job is to tell the truth. We're always going to keep trying to do more, but we've got to have this on honest conversation with our citizens. Well, part of the conversation is what the actual cuts are in this budget and what they're going to mean. Talk about some of the, the specific cuts in the budget. Well, as the mayor alluded, uh, the cuts spanned all departments. Uh, we largely, when we presented uh, the potential cuts back in February, we divided them into three areas, into public safety, quality of life agencies, and kind of central services. So the, the reductions do span all of those. Uh, some of which are already uh, public. Uh, the pools uh, are certainly one in parks. Uh, the uh, lack of a June recruit class for police is a, another way of uh, attri attritioning down some of the positions that we have uh, from this June. So uh, some of them are uh, in public safety. We looked at a firehouse or closing a firehouse. Uh, we have a couple of libraries that are closing. Um, they really spanned uh, every service area that the city provides. So assuming your budget is passed more or less as written, does that mean that the, the budget crisis is passed? Oh, no. We're just getting started, unfortunately. Uh, absent any action by the Metro Council to increase more revenue, uh, the cuts that have been made proposed with this cycle represent anywhere from one-half to one-third of what the eventual cuts are going to be. And I say one-half to one-third because this Kentucky retirement system just changed the uh, mortality tables, that is, They've now assuming people are going to be living longer, which means that their pension payouts have to last longer, which means you need more money into the pension system. So that's a kind of late-breaking news. So think about that. What we just did minimally is half of what's going to happen, and it could be just a third. So if people think these cuts have been difficult, uh, it's just the beginning. And I And so my job is to be the messenger on this. And then hopefully the council to look or work these issues to say, okay, what is it that we're going to be doing with our city? And this is really an unfortunate situation, again, through no fault of any of ours. And we've gotten ahead of it as best that we can, but these are the kind of difficult decisions that now we've got to face as a council and as a community. So if people want to avoid more library closures, more, more reductions in public safety, for example, what are the options that the council has and what are the options that Frankfurt has that could help Louisville out? So uh, one of the proposals is to uh, increase our property taxes to collect the 4% that's allowable based on our estimates. That's a small um, start. That's about 1.2 million that's in the FY20 budget. That would be more than if the, the rates were held flat. Uh, and in most every year, it's 4% anyway. Correct. In, correct. The, in the past. So. In, the, in the past four to five years, and it would still leave our property tax rates below where they were at merger uh, for both the urban service district and, and the countywide rate. And that, so that $1.2 million obviously is a far way away from right. what we need in this budget of thirty five. But in terms of like addressing it in a more comprehensive way, what are the options? So that's, that's on the small uh, scale. Uh, the insurance premium is something that can be revisited every year uh, and is still under our local control. 
there's the possibility of changing taxing districts. Uh, we had a referendum for a library taxing district about 10 years ago. It what failed. Is a, what is a taxing district? Taxing district would dedicate a portion of either a property tax or an occupational license fee, which is effectively a local income tax, uh, to a specific service. It could be for a library service. In the state, there are health uh, taxing districts. There are library taxing districts. Uh, we could create one uh, here that might be cultural arts, uh, library, parks, zoo, that type of taxing district, uh, that would go before the voters uh, to create that district. So the voters would have to approve that? That's correct. Okay. It really, we've got to have community engagement here, you know, to get back and forth on what people expect, not expect, in terms of public safety, libraries, et cetera. The thing that people always tell me is they want more, right? It's like, I don't like the condition the roads are in right now. Uh, our sidewalks need to be fixed. We'd like to have another library. We'd like to have more ambulances. So that is running counter to the current financial situation, unfortunately, that the city is, is facing. One of the other things that was unfortunate in this budget, Graham, was we had to eliminate 312 uh, metro government positions and lay off about 100 people or so. So this is the kind of pain that you see taking place that's re leading to reduction in services as, as well. So I do not want to forget the kind of, not just the pain on that employee, but their families that come from this as well. And this is all kind of confusing to folks because they see the economic renaissance that our city is going through right now. You know, 80,000 new jobs and uh, 2,700 new businesses, $14 billion in capital construction going on around the city. It's like the city's doing so well. What's wrong with city government? Well, it comes back to this pension uh, issue again. So it's been um, a challenge, obviously, for us, but uh, we're working through it, and it's forcing us to really address some issues that need to be addressed to determine what the future of our city government is. Because I think, to a certain degree, we help set the tone for the city. Certainly, it's the overall economy that generates the opportunity. We want an, uh, an economy that works for everybody, too, not just those at the top. And city government and city services frequently help those type of folks get more skills and increase their uh, opportunities they have to make living wages. So city government and city government services often fill in the missing pieces that uh, the private sector doesn't pick up. So if I had anything to say for the private sector is please help us in like one way that companies can do that is hire a summer works youth. I'd like to have every company in the city have a summer works employee and giving a youth age 16 to 24 an opportunity to see what the world of work is like, cost about $2,500 per uh, person. You, that's what you pay them to work for the summer, and it's not a donation. And you're preparing a future worker when you do that as well. So that's just one example of how people can step up and help. What are you looking for from Frankfurt? What are you working on? Um, yeah, what are you planning for yeah. the next stage in terms of your negotiations? Well, the quickest thing Frankfurt could do to help is to approve this restaurant tax that Daniel just uh, referenced. Uh, Frankfurt says that they are going to begin comprehensive tax reform. Uh, they've been saying that every year that I've been mayor, so eight years, and uh, we continue to wait on that. It's a very difficult thing to do. As part of comprehensive tax reform, I hope then they would give local municipalities more flexible and more tools uh, so we could be the captain of our own destiny. I mean, the, the irony, of course, is Louisville is the economic engine of the entire state. We generate about $3 billion a year in taxes. All that's collected in Frankfurt. 
we get back about $1.5 billion in taxes. The rest is spread throughout the state. And that's not unusual for the economic engine of any state to be that way. But the more tools we have to generate revenue, the more it's going to help the rest of the state as well. Has the conversation around the budget, you know, either between your office and the public or between your office and the council, how has it changed since you introduced your budget last Thursday? People are understanding this is real. You know, so we had the people that were saying you can't raise taxes and you can't cut services realize that's a basic, basic math problem. I mean, we have to have a combination of either revenue or expense reductions to equal this $35 million problem. So now that people are saying you weren't making that up, it's like, okay, now how are we going to deal with this situation? Because there's a lot of pain, unfortunately, from a budget like this. A lot of people that are being affected. Council people don't like seeing their districts affected either. They're hearing their from their constituents. So I'm saying over the next two months while the council works this budget, it's going to be a great period of education for the entire community and really understanding how difficult a lot of these trade-offs are. As we went through the budget, I want to commend Daniel and his entire team for an awesome job they did with this. We just had to make selections amongst a group of really bad choices. One of the pieces of feedback you've gotten is to entirely exempt public safety from, from the cuts, but you've said that that's not that's practically impossible to do. Why is that? Yeah, and typically people, when they say that, they mean the police department. And I think LMPD is, if not the best, amongst the best in the country. And being a police officer is super challenging in any times, but especially in today's America. The challenge from a budgetary standpoint is that the police budget's about $185 million or so, represents a close to 30% of our general fund. So it's so large that not to impact that really negatively affects this whole concept of trying to have a basic working municipal government. We could eliminate the uh, parks department, the library, animal services, codes and regulations in entirety and still not uh, meet the kind of needs that we have or the funds that we need to work on this long-term pension problem. So the police department took a less percentage cut than the other departments, So, but it was affected. Um, what it looks like is if officers continue to uh, trit or leave as they typically do in a, in a year. We'll have 40 fewer police officers out of a police uh, force of about 1,250, so about a 3.5% drop in our police officers. Uh, and then we have many other aspects of public safety. Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods, for instance, is more in the prevention and intervention side, so we just don't want to focus on the enforcement side of uh, law enforcement. But again, I really appreciate the job the police department does, and uh, they're taking less a cut than uh, the rest of the agencies. Uh, another suggestion has been to use the rainy day fund to deal with this problem. Daniel, what's what's the deal with that? What, Daniel, what's the challenge there? What is the rainy day fund you might want to talk about? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, well, the rainy day, the rainy day fund uh, is really for a, a single-time emergency. Uh, it could be, say, a flood disaster that's not covered by FEMA. Uh, it could be for something along those lines. We've only uh, used it once since merger. It was a little under $4 million. It was to pay a, a mid-year judgment uh, that we were required to pay legally. So it is not something that you would access for a structural change, which is why we had the tax discussion in the spring. We basically need to get ourselves structurally in balance between 
uh, taxes and services. When you say a structural change, you mean an ongoing problem. An ongoing problem. And that and that's unique uh, to this time period. As the mayor said, we're doing well. We have 4% unemployment. The last time that we faced these types of challenges were really the Great Recession. Uh, we did not use the rainy day fund uh, during the Great Recession. We were able to resume growth. The difficulty is we have a tough FY21 budget to make and a tough FY22 budget to make. Using the rainy day fund will deplete our resources if there's no replenishment plan for it. Uh, it will also uh, cause an operational impact. Currently, we budget some revenue from investment income that we make from the rainy day fund. If we spend that on services, we won't have that investment income anymore to fund on an ongoing basis. And we would need to be able to talk with our our credit rating agencies to convince them why they shouldn't downgrade us if we access the rainy day fund, which could make future borrowing costs more expensive to us. So if we spend it now, we'd lose that money and then we'd still have the same problem in a year or two. Yes. We'd have an ongoing problem uh, that would uh, multiply on itself because you'd have the, the current year plus the, the pension growth for future years. One thing I'd like to say is that, look, we're going to continue selling the city like we always do. I'm still really optimistic about the future of our city. When you take a look around and you see all the wonderful things taking place, that's still going to go on. I'm worried about the folks that are most vulnerable in our community. Uh, we've got to have strong civic muscle to do this. We're going to continue to pursue all the type of grants that are out there. One of the things I'm really proud about are all the grants from national agencies and foundations we get when we're competing with other cities. They reward them to us because they reward them to the cities that are well run and they know they're going to get a great return on their investment. Just in the last uh, month or so, we've received almost $15 million of competitive grants to help us with uh, talent development on our lowest income citizens so that they can get uh, talent development in the technology area and get middle income, middle wage jobs. $5 million grant to help us build out a network of trauma-informed care in our community. An almost $5 million grant for what's called a Healthy Starts program, which is focusing on pregnant moms in our lowest income neighborhoods to make sure they have a healthy pregnancy and healthy children after that. So our city should be really proud that we compete and win these type of things. We're going to continue to do that. So we should look at that as kind of the, the cherry on top of a well-run city government. But we have to have the operational revenue so that we can continue to provide basic city services each and every day. So we'll continue to always uh, dream big and work hard with great values. We've got a wonderful team here at Metro Government. Uh, but we're going to have a tough budget right that we're going to go through right now and hopefully coming out of the other end of that and into the future will be even stronger uh, you alluded to what you'd like businesses to do uh, for just citizens who are concerned about what these cuts are going to mean for their communities for the city in general what would you recommend they do to get involved you know the city helps a couple hundred uh, external agencies nonprofits uh, with that we don't fund them entirely but it, you know even let's say something a $15,000 grant to a small nonprofit is a big deal uh, look online see uh, the external agencies that we fund it's everything from human services through the arts and there are there groups in there that you can identify with and can you help them with uh, financial help uh, with your talent uh, social services wise if they're if you're interested in homeless services, for instance, we're having a very difficult time with homelessness in our community, as cities are all over the country, by the way. But would you consider, let's say, in a church, that could you have a small uh, camp for homeless uh, folks there? We're finding that small camps work best. And when people say, we need to do more for homeless, it's like, well, can you help us? And so these are all things that people can do to help. 
and kind of really dive in even more to be in citizenship. Because, look, Metro government is the citizens of our city. It's not some third independent entity. It is us. So great citizens, we appreciate when they lean in and help us even more. So if you're on the sidelines, contact us. We can give you all kinds of ways to help. Mayor Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff.